Welcome to the Salon, where we increase our knowledge through conversation and through community. It's uh, so nice to see so many familiar faces here. Today's topic is a very broad and open one. I call it questions answered. I'm so excited that this is already the 16th Salon we are doing. 15 sessions were before where I brought a topic. We had topics like garden of expertise, comet tail content, seeding, audience, creation. In the beginning, they were more general and in the end, they were more specific, like uh, leverage the last time. We covered a lot of ground. Of course, it's not meant that you are here every time, but it's a standing invitation that you can join whenever you want. So this time, I would like you to bring your questions. Sometimes it can be hard and challenging to think about a question, but it's a good opportunity to get answers, not only from me, but also from the other bright minds here in the call. Maybe this is quite a general one, but I'll lead off with this. I've been exploring this content creator, et cetera. I still have like a normal day job. I love the idea of creating content. I can do that all day. Not having a boss sounds great. And then I feel like the part where it gets a little vague and, and where I'm not sure is I actually make enough money from that, that I can support myself. And I feel like other people get like a little bit vague on that point. So that's the part I'm interested in learning more is, okay, let's say I'm going to quit my job and do this full time. How, like, how am I really going to make enough money off of this, um, to make it work? Wonderful question, because <laughs> that's one of the most important questions. And one of these questions that I hear the most often, because it is a challenge going down this path of a knowledge entrepreneur. You said it, you said already the creation part. We can all create all day. That's an exciting thing. But one very important aspect of it, especially if you want to earn money, is to have an expertise that you are creating because you want to create value. That is something that puts you in the position to earn something. And it's easier to create value and to grow an audience, which is the fourth important part, if people know what you're standing for, if they know how you can help, if they can recommend you to friends. Sometimes it emerges, but often you have to decide for an expertise of the many you have, then you create, then you grow an audience. And in this process, you start to ask to earn. This part is a hard part because there are many barriers that prevent us from asking. We're sometimes afraid to ask. Sometimes we don't know how to ask and what's the proper time, the proper format. But what I can attest to you also with examples and also the way I approach it, and I'm, I'm leading the way only a tiny bit. I'm one of these people that can teach you something because I'm a little bit further down the road, not a lot. So I'm a different kind of teacher. You can learn a lot from teachers that are already far down the road. They are like the experts in the whole field, but they provide a different value than somebody who's currently on this path. I already can say people are more than happy to pay for certain value that you create, especially when you do it in a way that is not selling. We talked about that in the past. Selling means you have to put all the trust up front. You sell something, people give you their money, they have to have the trust, and then you deliver the value. A different model is earning. Earning means you provide the value first, and then you get something in return. That's for the start, often a better model because 
you take the risk out of the equation. Who else can contribute or want to contribute something to answer that question? I can probably add a couple of things. It seems to me that being a knowledge entrepreneur is somewhat more comfortable than having a job or easier than having a job. It's basically a mirage. In many cases, it is not true for a very specific reason. And this reason hides in a plain sight in the notion of knowledge entrepreneur. It combines two things. Doing something is what knowledge and being an entrepreneur. And uh, this second part is really the hardest one. In my view, being an entrepreneur means always looking for some leverage. You are not an entrepreneur if you are not looking for leverage. If you are not looking to make something out of just a little bit of an effort. And in case uh, uh, of knowledge work, leverage uh, means basically using some tools and in many cases using other people's work. If you really want to stand a chance on the market, being a solo knowledge entrepreneur is not that easy. You will probably need to use the work of other people. Otherwise, the competition is going to be crazy. If it's just two like computer systems or whatever, and everybody can do the same, it's basically a red ocean situation. It's not easy. It's not trivial. It's not simple. It's a very specific type of job. Sometimes we are uncomfortable in our jobs for a very specific reasons. It does not mean that knowledge entrepreneurship is for us. Does somebody want to answer to that? I have a few points. We have to be aware that a lot of things changed. A lot of the old things that we thought were true are not true anymore. One of this is competition. Competition is not there anymore. It, it doesn't exist. We might think there can only be so many companies in that particular field. But take a very mundane example. One mundane example could be help people with their computer. Like you were hinting at that. Everybody has a computer now. Everybody needs help at some point. It's not easy to build a company to help a lot of people. But if you ask around, you have now a certain speciality in a computer. You have an expertise. That's always the important part. You have an expertise. Nowadays, you can help with TeamViewer, with remote Uh, connection and so on. The only thing is you have to be willing to help, first of all. You have to do the steps to go there. Not that the money comes to you, but that you say, I have this expertise, I can help you. Do you want my help? That is sometimes hard, but we are talking about hard like going up on that mountain. That's hard. And I'm not talking about the uh, Mount Everest. I'm talking about your local mountain in, in a city or wherever. It's hard. It requires some steps, but these steps are all known. Not everybody does it, but the, the technology changed that everybody can do it. And this is new. This is really brand new because paying for services online, paying for somebody online is not that old. We might think it is old, but it, it, it's really not. A lot of People are already doing it. Freelancers used to do it for a long time. Platforms like Upwork provide tons of these services for everybody who says, I can do that. And they get somebody assigned that have that need and so on. 
the knowledge entrepreneur is slightly different because it leaves you all the power that comes also with all the responsibility. That's why I want to build this community to help us a little bit with that uh, responsibilities because we're all, do all doing the same thing. Then it's easier. But it's definitely possible. And then it's more like a question, do you want to live in, in a marriage or like in a family or do you want to be single? These have all ups and downs and, and, and there's no right or wrong answer in a definitive way. You cannot say one is easier, one is harder. Having a job, I know a lot of people who have a job, it's hard these days. It's hard. You know, think of your mental health. Think about the challenges of running a business and so on and being an employee there. It's really hard to have a job. On the other hand, it's hard to be a knowledge entrepreneur in different ways. But you can choose. You can pick and choose what, what you want to do. And I'm definitely here to help you with the knowledge entrepreneur way. And other people are there to help you in the corporate environment, for example, which is also a place where a lot of um, good things can happen. I respond to that. I have something to say about your example with uh, servicing computers, helping people with their computers. Look at this example from the demand side. I have a computer and uh, you as a provider have basically no idea what kind of computer it is. It can be pretty old. It can be Windows PC or Unix machine, or it can be Apple computer, whatever. To help me as a provider, you have to know everything about every kind of computers. And moreover, have some spare parts probably and software to install and have all the manuals. So basically as an individual, it is really hard for you to help me if you don't know what kind of computer I have. And mm -hmm. you don't have any specialization or whatever. Uh, company is better positioned to do the job. Yeah, That's a wonderful example because that used to be the case. You're totally right. It's like we used to get our news from one source that was the newspaper. And you had to have these channels because it was not feasible to connect us in any other meaningful way. But that changed. Now we get our news from everybody, from private people, from corporations. It's a big mix. It's a big mess. And whatever you want, you get it. Even fake news are, are in supply. And these people find also recipients for their news. Same with computers. You can be specialized in Macs that are still running the old Mac system because they are in a museum. If you do that, and that's what's important, that has to be your expertise. You have to build an expertise in that. You have to show it. You have to be transparent about it. It is even enough to just be very open that you are now learning this, that you are now building up your expertise. It's not easy in a way because there is some structure. You have to have some very visible home on the web. You have to be active in social media. You have to constantly talk about it. There are actually steps you have to take. But if you're doing it, then you will see that people reach out to you because they can find you, because you can find them, you can discuss with them and so on. That's completely new. We are all adjusting to it right now as we speak. A lot of people, and I'm also collecting these case stories, are already getting a lot of income out of that, which is only important because it, it is the proof in the pudding, more or less. Ten years ago, 
I could have only pointed you to hugely successful blogs, hugely successful newsletters that didn't earn money because people were not yet accustomed to PayPal and not yet accustomed to Gumroad, subscriptions, paid communities, paywalls, stuff like that. That's now all available. It's all learned. Now you have infinite clients, no competition because nobody can fulfill that need, but you have to take the steps. It's not a choice. It's not a job that somebody gives to you. You cannot say, okay, I want to be a knowledge entrepreneur and let the money rain. That's not how it works. You have to first raise your hand and say, okay, I'm an expert in this and I show it to you. I show it repeatedly and I reach out and so on. It's not easy. I'm also struggling at a few points to consolidate. I uh, had this paid workshop that went very well. By the way, the second workshop I wanted to give didn't have any signups. So that was a down point. From the first workshop, I even got a mentorship client, somebody that pays me now to guide him through the knowledge entrepreneur journey. And I have a second person doing that now that builds up at the same time. You see, in my case, I'm always open for this now to also show it. And I see that it's coming and I see that it's building up momentum and it takes some time. I'm doing that now three months from zero, more or less, from zero to three months. And I will still have a lot to learn. But the technical feasibility, this is like proven. And I can only advocate it because you have all these wonderful expertises and that you also take these steps towards being a knowledge entrepreneur, even if it is on the side, because it's no need to make it full time. If you invest just one hour per day or maybe a weekend, like four hours, maybe you take one year to build it up or maybe two years next to a main job. You will arrive at that point. You will arrive at the top of the hill when you take the steps. I think I'd add to that that one possibly not comfortable way to look at it is that it is like a startup. It might be a startup of one, but it's still a startup. The, the amount of time and investment, whether it's sweat or something else, will differ from person to person depending on what they're doing. But it requires that time. It requires time and investment. That if you need money now, then better to go find a consulting job or something that to turn this potential to access the world, which thus contains an audience that would really appreciate what you have to offer is there but the matching problem still takes time to solve it is this quality of time that you invest it's not a job that you just take it's really something you grow you build up and like a startup with infinite capital because as a knowledge entrepreneur you don't uh, take a loan you take time. Time is your investment. You have the best VC in the world. You, you get constant supply of time. <laughs> you take these steps. And as in every business, you can like, scatter yourself all around. You can make mistakes. For example, you don't pick an expertise. A lot of people say, I want to write. So I start to write. They write about their computer. They write about mental health. They write about this. They write about that and so on. They end up with a portfolio of creations that are good for being a friend or an interesting person, but they are not a tool for somebody. I have this concrete demand. Please help me. You are clearly an expert. But somebody who only writes about old computer games, only old computer games that are already 30 years old, that person is building up an expertise. 
this person will be able to turn it also into value and to earn part of that value in return. I would like to, to add something else to this. I just had a really interesting online event, which was about future and how quantum computers will change the way we work within the next 10 to 15 years. It was a really far-fetched look into the future, but there are some trends that are becoming a reality as we speak. Personal assistance on your Google phone and, and stuff that's really close to entering the mass markets. Everything will change and the job, uh, if you're like me working in a nine-to-five, the job landscape will change dramatically. I think it's the safest bet to invest in yourself and to grow an expertise and create a fellowship because you never know what's going to happen within the next five to 10 years. And you need to have something in your back pocket to either you make the jump or at least you have some kind of expertise that you've built up that to, to stay relevant in the, in the job market. I think there's no other um, way for the future. Great point. Because your best security is to be able to quickly get something new or to create other value. The best CV in the world is something you do on the side. We see it every day. There's this one kid that creates a self-driving car simulator based on GTA or whatever. And companies are flocking to this person and say, whoa, you did such a great job. We want you and our team. These are signs that these people put out. You know how valuable you are as a person. That sounds really strange, but we know our friends. We know how valuable these people are. But it's so hard to see that from the outside if they don't put something online, if they don't put something in a coherent form that you can follow, maybe on social media. But social media is really a crowded place. It's hard, for example, to show your expertise in your Twitter profile when you're also using Twitter to shout out good services, to shout out what happened to you in your life. I'm constantly saying, start to think of it like a knowledge entrepreneur. Even if you don't want to earn money with that, even if it's only your resume, even if it's only your body of work that you are building up in that particular expertise, it's like a portfolio that you are building up that can be turned to income whenever you want. It still takes time to grow that expertise, but then you can do it And you mentioned another point, Florian, which is really good. We have a constant demand on new expertises. Three years ago, virtual reality. Nobody knows how this will turn out. Nobody knows what the best virtual reality games are. What's a virtual reality messenger? Are there virtual reality blogs out there? I don't know. You have these little tiny elite that are already starting it, but there's so much room below of people like you and me to just say like, okay, I guess it's me. Then they go down that path and, and, and build up that value. And it will be the blink of an eye in, in normal career terms that they are now then among the elite in their city or in their country or in their communities. Quantum computing is another one of these. So pick your expertise, but pick one right? to open these doors for the future. I wonder that this idea of finding that expertise seems to be one of a continuum of what you can do and what you might do that's very narrow bit of that things you could do. So as you start to approach how you bring that choice of what your expertise is from indie games that only work on Atari from 1977 to 1978 to all indie games that happen on PCs 
But we could also add this, that, the next thing. You get this fragmentation of how your effort, because when your individual posts go out, they're linearized, I'd say on Twitter, or your blog posts are also somewhat linear. Sometimes you get a two by two or three by three matrix showing what you can do. But the first glance to determine your expertise is limited. Your ability to show them what your expertise is by virtue of your content is difficult to show. So I'm wondering, should you start with your larger amounts of knowledge and try to hone down based on some feedback loop you get from people responding? But when you have very few followers, it's hard to say what that feedback loop is at all, a characteristic of what your, the larger picture would be. Or do you pick one thing and say, oh, did I get any traction? No, move to another thing. Both of them have problems. Both of them lead you to show perhaps poor decision-making on what I have to switch away from because you don't have enough sample size. How would you come up with some sort of matrix of things you can do? Could you look at someone else on the internet and say, who's doing that? Or like, is, is, is the market big enough? Uh, it, it, this idea of competition, uh, we talked about earlier, just, I'm just going to quickly elaborate on that. I think there is competition. If someone could solve your problem, then you don't have the problem anymore. In that case, you, there is competition. You're just looking for the first guy to solve. And at that point, you don't need them anymore. But if you're putting out information about how to solve in general, that's quite different. You're a person that walks onto the computer one day and say, I have a problem. Who can help me? And at that point, there's no competition because all those people are out there. You just have to somehow find them. And if you're one of the people who can find them or you're one of the people they find, then there a certain process happens next where you talk back and forth perhaps. The idea is where do you niche down this this idea of starting big and moving down to whatever one would be small enough to you get you really expertise and well-known for versus coming up from one of those things and saying, I'm going to add another one, I'm going to add another one. Good question. Does somebody wants to comment on that? I, I have a few thoughts on that. I definitely don't know the answer, but just a few thoughts that, that came up while you were speaking. I think there are sort of potential traps like tailspins here, some of which I've fallen into. For instance, you said something about, let me try something. And if it doesn't get a response, I'll try something else. And then if I'll try something else. And I think my experience with content has been, it's very unpredictable what will people will respond to. And often the stuff I'm proudest of, or the stuff I'm really good, or I thought was really good, maybe doesn't get a lot of response. And then yes. something that I thought was pretty average somehow gets a lot more engagement. Often it's like completely random. It's like time of day or time of month, or it happens to get shared by someone on Facebook or just something really out of your hands. My feeling is it has to be a little bit more organic and self-driven or else you can really end up in chasing your tail. And a similar thing with trying to find someone that no one else out there is doing. The internet is so big that if you try to find something that no one has ever done, If you look hard enough, you will inevitably find someone who has done something very close to your idea. So I think if you let that discourage you, it can be a bit of a trap and shut you down. My general sense is it has to come from what you're really curious about and what you enjoy doing. These were great points. I, I had similar thoughts. Again, there is no competition. You said the first person that solved it, then is enough. But you can always be that first person. There are so many people, if we would say, take books recommendations. Now you could say Oprah Winfrey solved that. We don't need anybody else talking about books. She has a book club done. That's just not true. Not only do we need always alternatives, but also people that solve a problem go to a different layer. 
they lose the contact. They can never, ever again give the same kind of attention to people around them that you can do. Your local book club can always outperform Oprah Winfrey's book club. If you just put in the expertise, if you just put in the time and attention and care that other people see you as, oh, this person is really my favorite book club, because you just grew an audience over time. Only companies that really have a lot of operating expenses, that they have loans. It's like a startup. That's a good example. They have to succeed or they get shut down. But people don't get shut down, especially not on the knowledge entrepreneur world. You can just continue. You can continue to, to build one computer game at a time. And that leads nice over to your question regarding how, how do you do it? There's a thing called opportunity and then there's expertise. Meaning you have a blog about let's say computer games. You put out one article, another article. One article hits off on Hacker News or something. That creates an opportunity. It doesn't help you anything regarding your expertise. You can only judge whether that article was good or not. You can only judge whether that brought up your game. You are the expert. The other people are not the expert. They might like this article for totally different reasons. You have to evaluate that. But for sure, that creates opportunity. But you can also create opportunity. You can reach out to people. You can do actions that create opportunity as well. You can change your workflow. You can change your wording. You can change your medium. You can change the platform and so on. I would think of that not as a formula that you have to solve, but if you go that road, you will create something valuable in your expertise. Then opportunity will either come up or you create that opportunity. And then you decide whether you want to act on it. For example, maybe you wrote this article and it was a very weird article. You thought nobody would be interested, but it caught up fire and it went viral. That's an opportunity for you to say, I, I will do more of that because I already have some proof and I want to do it. But you should not be this wandering generality that always takes these signs of opportunity, which can be random, as a kind of a marching order. Okay, so I need to do more of this. This is a big caveat. If you look too much on the metrics, then your craft will go downhill. We all know it from music. We know that it, the moment people say, my most successful song was this, so I only do songs like this, we lose interest. Maybe they make more money, but they are not the expert anymore they used to be. You can always stay that expert, but that's a good thing. You can stay on that path of the expert the internet allows you to create value at scale. So you will always earn enough if you want. If you just stop chasing the metrics, don't fall into that trap. But that's a different problem. If we have that problem to chase the metrics, then, then we are already in a good state. And we are mostly talking about launching that here now. <laughs> so you're talking about uh, not using a feedback loop at all from the responses you get, but instead staying true to this expertise and letting the audience that you're actually perfectly targeted for eventually find you. That would be a little bit too strong. Feedback, definitely. You should listen to your audience. Your audience can tell you how they perceive your creations, and that's perfectly valuable input, but they cannot tell you what to do because they are not the expert. So you should get feedback all the time. But you should not listen to when your audience says, for example, do more of that. 
you can take this as an input and then you can say, I want to do more of that. And that makes total sense to do more of that. So you go with it. But if your audience asks for more of this and that, and you say, oh, that's not my long-term goal. I, I, I'm just building up something here. I built the foundation, but I now need to build more of that. Then stay true to your path because better. That's what I wanted to say. Just an analogy came to mind that one of the distinctions here, and it, it's not that one is good or bad, but there's a choice between if you're a knowledge entrepreneur and a content entrepreneur. For me, the analogy is someone like Malcolm Gladwell is essentially, they're a journalist and content entrepreneur. They write, in fact, if you look over his career, there is some kind of commonality amongst his books. But at the time, it's like he writes about all of these different things. And he does so from his position as a writer, like he writes really well, he's a good storyteller. And also he has some structural advantages because of his job. If you want to be a content entrepreneur, you can. In that way, you choose to sell your stories on the strength of your storytelling and they go viral and all this and that. But if the, the knowledge entrepreneurship is about a, a different thing of where, as Akim always says, you decide that this is an area that is my expertise. This is the area I will stay in. I might write one or two general things because the audience likes to know me a bit better or whatever, but I'll always keep returning to what is my area because that's my path. And it's not, not to say one path is better than the other, but you should know which path you're trying to go along. I would add to that, that I would not see the big difference between content entrepreneur and knowledge entrepreneur, because I think Malcolm Gladwell is a knowledge entrepreneur for me, because he's so good in storytelling with all his background and so on. He tells stories, whatever story he finds interesting. And I agree, you see the threat in that, but he has this expertise in it. and there's a difference between somebody who is an expertise in a very niche topic and Malcolm Gladwell, who's maybe very broad in their output. But what we like from Malcolm Gladwell is are not physical products, but it is the knowledge that he brings to us in the form of words, in the form of stories. Do you listen to the advertising that he reads in his blog? He creates these advertising spots and it's honestly so on the verge of putting me off because he uses his craft for the advertising and because these stories are so good. I really want to buy this product now because he sold it so well because he used storytelling for it, but uh, I don't like the product <laughs> so much. And I know he's doing it only for money. That's even worse. <laughs> but I'm, I'm totally a big fan of his output. One thing that Malcolm Gladwell makes me think that I think is important is having a voice. So in terms of finding your niche or having a thing you're the expert on, I think it's like natural to start thinking from a tagline or something that's very definable, but I feel for a lot of the, the people or shows or content that I really connect with, it would be hard to sum up in one sentence what it is I love about them or what makes them unique. They have a very certain voice. I feel if I had to say right now in one sentence, what makes Malcolm Gladwell unique? He's a great storyteller. I don't know if that quite captures it, but I feel like I would know if I'm reading a Malcolm Gladwell piece. So I feel in, in that way, it is something that's unique, but it's hard to pin down. It helps if we take outliers, <laughs> pardon the pun, like uh, Malcolm Gladwell, 
then it's a little bit hard because they went to the top. But there are thousands of people like him, just with smaller audiences that doing just a great job, maybe in the form of uh, storytelling or maybe in the form of, of journalism in a certain way. Or maybe something completely different, but it's always something. I call this expertise. And I think this is a good way to think about it because we return to these people because we expect a certain thing and they better deliver. It can be a comedian. Then we want this. We, we don't want to talk about politics so much. It's only a side thing. We want this expertise. So it can be hard to pin down, but it must be there. And I think the success always shows that, that it is something where we can return and get again the same part uh, of the expertise. I find this notion of expertise a little bit confusing because uh, in case of Godwell, it is definitely not those scientific articles that he is so masterfully retell. The expertise is not in science. It's uh, probably in his voice, in his ability to manage his audience, in his ability to be always interesting and always visible and putting out some hours to produce the next book just in time that we don't forget him. So it's difficult to pinpoint what this expertise is. In my experience, it's not something steady or stable or given. It's not something you have. It's something that you can develop. For example, if you are writing daily on a specific subject for a few months, you will develop an expertise in this specific subject or specific field of knowledge. Doing knowledge work sometimes is even more important than just having some knowledge. That's the idea. So yeah. doing continuously something, hoping that you have it already somewhere. This, this points to the fact expertise is just a word to, to describe it. I can repair a thing, but if I do it the first time, it won't be the same outcome as if I do it the hundredth time. So repetition always builds up a certain expertise and knowledge in humans. And it's better something that resonates with you because some people that are forced into jobs, they don't become a good expert, even if they repeat it a lot of time because they don't like it. They do it just barely. With, with that being said, thank you so much. We've reached the, the end of the salon. We wrap things up here and I'm looking forward to see you at the next salon. This is always at the same time. And you can sign up if you want for my newsletter that I send out on Sunday, where I also cover all these topics in a slightly different form.